welcome to the Modern Maker Podcast. Today is Thursday, June 28th, 2018, otherwise known as National Insurance Awareness Day. Mike, did you know that there's such a thing as insurance? I I haven't looked into it. Well, now you're aware. So, day was a success, total success. Anyway, I'm Chris Salamone, and with me as always, actually not with me as always, with me only, and for the first time, is Mike Clifford from Modustrial Maker. How's or going, are everyone? you the industrial maker? Are you from industrial maker? Or are you the industrial maker? We're gonna go from industrial maker. Okay, what is industrial? I'm not familiar with that term. It's a made-up word. Ah, nice. Kind of like a jargafart. Yes, far from that Megan. <laughs> that too. So we're gonna. Uh, I don't know what we're gonna do. It's a one-on-one kind of thing. Mike and the other Mike, Mark and Ben, they have the day off today. So we're just gonna kind of chat for a little while. Mike Clifford, Modestial Maker, is here right now, uh, staying with me. We're working together for a week and a couple days on a couple pretty ambitious concrete projects. If you guys aren't familiar with him, he does a lot of concrete work, amongst other things, but we'll get into that in a second. First, uh, let's do a question real quick. Somebody wrote, Some people wrote in with some questions, so let's do a question, and then we'll start talking about some other stuff. All right, so this first one comes in from Aaron.Patrick.Design on Instagram, and he says, where are you hosting your podcast? So, well, technically right now we're hosting it, I guess, from my parents' uh, rumpus room, but I'm going to guess what he's asking is, where are we hosting the live one, the 100th episode that we're going to do? So we announced that last week. Um, it's Monday that we're recording this. This podcast is coming on Thursday, so things might change by the time it comes out. But as of now, there are still a few tickets available, and it's going to be at Local Fixture, which is a place in the city that I'm from, Whittier. Uh, it's a really cool shop. We're gonna, I'm going to put a link to their Instagram and to their website below so you can check out their address and check out what the, the vibe of the store and all that stuff. But it's going to be uh, July 21st, 2018, 6 o'clock. Uh, there's going to be food, drinks. It's going to cost $25 to come. That's going to pay for everything. I'll put a link also to the website that we have set up if you want to RSVP to come. If there are still tickets available, just give it a shot. Um, but yeah, that's where it'll be. All right, let's uh, get to you, Mike, the industrial maker. So why don't you just kind of tell the people if there's anybody that's unfamiliar with you, what you're, what you're all about, what you like to do. So my uh, YouTube channel is in a similar vein to all, all, you, all of you guys' channels. Um, it's more of a design-focused channel. Um, I like to combine a lot of different materials. I've done a lot of work with concrete and a, a sort of specialized form of concrete called GFRC, which is short for Glass Fiber Reinforced Concrete. Right. Um, some of you might have seen I did a collaboration with Mike Montgomery a while back. Mm-hmm. Uh using GFRC. Also, I've done a lot of LED lighting, uh, con- controlling those with Arduinos, um, so and some woodworking, and and really just anything that I can do to kind of try to experiment with a lot of different designs. And so the YouTube channel is Industrial Maker. I'm on Instagram as a Industrial Maker. Um, so you can check it out there if you want to know more, uh, or others. I think we'll, we'll maybe talk about it a little bit here, or you'll see yeah. some so I'm we'll, on Chris's channel soon too. <laughs> That's right, and we'll put we'll put links to everything so you can find them real easy. Now it's funny because you say that your design focus, and I think you are for sure. But I think I always think of you as like idea focused. Like you have these like, I, I feel like you have like wild ideas first that you want to explore, and then it's like finding a design to. Yeah. No, actually, I think you're right. I think that's kind of a good point. Like, I think, and 
and maybe maybe what you're saying is sometimes the designs <laughs> fail. <laughs> but no, I think that's something I'm kind of I'm kind of working on trying to to take more time to actually take these ideas sort of, of, oh, what if I combine these two different things or put this different twist on some other idea that's popular mm-hmm. um, and actually take some more time not to just say, let's slap these two together in some way, but to actually say, let's try to do some planning to make sure that these are actually going to have a, a good-looking outcome, good-looking design. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think I think you're right. Like, I think there's a lot of just experimentation as well yeah um which i kind of think is a design it's like a platform maybe other people refine the designs and make them better right the i I think just to clarify the reason that i said that is because i've noticed just like in talking to you whenever we're talking about designs and stuff it seems like the times that you get the most excited is like off of ideas more than like oh look at this that looks cool it's more like what if we did this like what if we did some you know it, it can be like a vague idea i feel like that's when like the juices get flowing. It yeah. Like. Yeah. It's not like the end concept is the, I mean, I, I like that too. Uh, but yeah, it's the idea of, uh, you know, something like I did for you guys, uh, for the plywood challenge where it was this mm-hmm. whole idea of doing a plywood river table. And then I kind of came up with the idea of, of pixelating it, like right. using this sort of like eight bit pixelated river in a, uh, plywood, table Mm -hmm. Um, and that obviously is not a design in and of itself it's more of a what would you say a design parameter or design you know outline for something and then and then i went on right we we looked at a few designs i put some on instagram um but yeah i I don't know exactly what you would what would you call that exactly i think yeah ideas or yeah it's um, an i mean i guess they're kind of hand in hand but it's uh the i mean i guess this is always sort of the case but the idea comes first and then it's like find a way to present it yeah the expression that of makes it. sense yeah. yeah yeah so something kind of changing gears a little bit something that we actually share in common is that we're both kind of doing this full-time and we both work full-time you probably work more than full-time at your job yeah we'll just call it, i think we both work two full-time jobs right yeah, now that's yeah. fair um so i know you're actually a patent attorney right yeah mm-hmm. okay so i i Got a, I, people probably bug you with this all the time. I got a couple ideas that I'm kicking around too. What about like some kind of like a, uh, you know how the table saw can be dangerous? What if there was something like, you know, God forbid your finger were to get in there, it would stop. Like there's some kind of break mechanism or something like that. I think there's a, there's a company out there that it might already do that. Yeah. I think, I think we had a question actually. <laughs> we did. What a, what a setup, huh? Yeah. Nice, uh, nice segue. We, we had a, a question from brothers makes who had brothers make, who had a, a very cool entry in the plywood challenge. I'll mention, check them out on Instagram if you haven't. Uh, and they asked because you've been using the saw stop now for a few weeks. Mm-hmm. What's your impression of it? I love it. Honestly, like it's, it's a great saw. Everybody, I kind of talked about this on Instagram. I have a highlighted story where I go into it in more detail. But yeah, I mean, it's a really good saw. I haven't used that many saws, if I'm being 100% honest. So let's just talk about cabinet saws. When I was first learning, I was on a Delta. That was in the classroom that I was in. I had the Grizzly for a long time. Now I have the saw stop. And they've all been really good saws. I think 
they've all been kind of like equally good in terms of like the cut quality and what you can get from them. It has more to do with, you know, making sure that you have it set up nicely and everything. Uh, the saw stop, the things that like really jump out to me is that everything feels very quality. Like you even commented today, we were using it that like, you know, even just like raising the blade, like it feels nicer than some other yeah. saws in some ways. Like it just feels quality. Um, the big thing, like I talked about in the video for me, was the safety feature. You know, as I've gotten more into this, having that insurance policy has become increasingly important. So I don't want to speak for everybody, but, you know, in my situation that I'm in, if I was spending my own money on something, that's what I would get. But I would never tell anybody else what to get. Except that they should probably get a sauce stop. <laughs> that's right. I would never tell you what to get, but get a sauce stop. Um, I can, I can maybe actually add a little bit to that because I've got to use the saw stop. Uh, and actually I think I got to break in for the first time ever your, your contractor grade saw stop, the job site saw stop. Yeah. Yeah. And and I have in my shop, I have the sort of highest end contractor portable DeWalt, which I think you actually had that that as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I've also used some Ryobi, uh, saws and I think. The truth is you can actually, you can get straight, reliable cuts on all of those. Everything from the Ryobi to the DeWalt to the saw stop. Yeah. And there are obviously, aside from the safety with the saw stop, I think there are some levels of precision that are just easier to attain as you work your way up. So, Mm -hmm. for example, the Ryobi, the fence is not always parallel to the blade. So you're going to have to measure the front and back distance from your fence to your blade if you want to make sure that you get a straight cut. The DeWalt, I can trust that the fence is dead on, so I never have to do that. So that's a big step up. But if I want to raise the blade and, say, cut a dado Mm -hmm. with a repetitive cut, it's very hard to adjust the blade up to the exact height I want. Whereas Mm -hmm. when I was using the saw stop, both the contractor and the the full cabinet Cabinet. saw... uh, it was very easy to dial to an exact precise blade height. So you could, you could cut slots or grooves in something very right. easily. So I think that just, there's sort of those incremental steps in making things easier, but you know, I think, yeah, I mean, that's a, well, I think actually the job site one it has an arbor that can even take a data blade, but just speaking more generally in the tools that I've used, I think what I've found in general is that like you kind of get what you pay for like a tool that costs twice as much is usually not twice as good it's usually incrementally better like you say and like as you get higher and higher you start paying more and more of a premium for those like little creature comforts or niceties that are that in so it's not like the dewalt is twice as good as the ryobi and the saw stop is twice as good as that it's like there's little improvements here and there and you kind of get what you pay for it seems like in in tools in general yeah, yeah, I agree. And I think you just have to kind of do a cost-benefit analysis of is this really, is this time-saving worth this extra amount of cost, right. you know? Um, and, and that's always a question. I think a lot of people get caught Situational up in... Situational yeah. for most people, I guess. Yeah, it's easy to get caught up in gear lust too, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that's an easy thing to do. But at the end of the time, I think, you know, we were talking about how this sometimes you get caught up in those things and just you forget about it. Like, the important things to making, which is like the cool projects, and right. the cool ideas, right? Yeah. You can get so caught up in, if you're always getting new saws and new equipment, you're always setting those equipment, you know, setting that up is a huge overhead cost, right? That takes away from time actually making stuff. In the right. Shop. So very good um, point. Yeah. So I like the saw stop. That's the, uh, 
Yeah. That's I, what I think of after a couple weeks of it. I do too. <laughs> uh, let's see. Let's uh, go into another question here. All right. So we have one here from Nicholas H. Gutierrez. It says, I'm a new maker. Do swear words decrease the better maker you become? What has your experience been? Just a little something I'm noticing about myself. Love your stuff. Keep it up, brother. So do swear words make you a, a, or make you a better maker or a worse maker? Or is he saying you swear less as you become a better maker? He's saying do swear words decrease the better maker you become. So hang on. Wait, that is a weird. <laughs> well, why don't we answer both of those questions and we can make sure we answer. I'm going to say f- yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the bottom line, right? Yeah, hell f- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, there. Moving on. I think we've got to the bottom of that. Uh, as you say, maybe like, do you get less frustrated as you become? We we could talk about the uh, the 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 break and bend there. <laughs> this, yeah, this was a good moment for some swearing. So here, why don't you talk a little bit about the project that we're doing? That your project, I guess, that we're collaborating on. Yeah, so we're doing a uh, a concrete forming technique where you can make a continuous curved shape. Uh, so we're doing a bench that the legs and the top all transition and kind of curve into one another. Yeah, it's and, just like a like picture bent lamination, but it's concrete. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so you're building sort of a support structure that has a, a frame, support frame, um, out of melamine and plywood. And then you're laying a piece of bendy ply uh, in that support structure in the frame that's going to sort of right. bend around it. And so last night, it was kind of a kite radius, and neither of us had really worked with bendy ply. So we kind of, we didn't know its limits, and we thought right. we were... We thought we were, well, it seemed like we yeah. were. I mean, so you had used, for the radius, you had used a, like a one-quart paint can, basically, right? I think actually it was a gallon paint can. Okay. Very big, yeah. So, okay, so you'd drawn... Just, okay, this seems like a good radius. And so we had it drawn in. We had our whole form kind of set up minus the bendy ply at that point. And we were starting to fit it in. And it seemed like, oh, yeah, it's taking this no problem, right? Yeah, yeah. It was going in. We're like, oh, it totally goes. We'd actually bent it into the curve. But I guess we figured out there's certain techniques for bending it that work and those that don't. And if you right. put pressure right on sort of the the apex or the middle of the curve. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't know. What's the, what's the geometric term for that? I don't know. But basically what, what we found is that it helps if you go to like a straight part and push in to make the piece start to curve rather than trying to put pressure where the curve is. Right. You have to push on sort of the two right angle pieces that, yeah, yeah push to it make together. it form the curve. Yeah. Instead of pushing on the curve. And, and so the way that we learned that <laughs> is, yeah. Is that first? Uh, the first time we did it, we we'd already screwed in some of the bendy ply, and then to the flat part, into the flat part, yeah, yeah and the form and and the, the the frame of it, the skeleton, then pop, boom, broke, and so like, and it's already pretty late at night. Yeah, it's you know, like we've, we've been working like we've been working till like midnight, maybe later than that every night, and so we're out there in the garage. It's late, you know. We we have to close the door to make sure that just the sound of us drilling isn't going to bother neighbors, all that stuff. And so we'd gotten pretty far in countersunk everything, had it all nice. And then it snapped and you were just kind of like, you were, I think you were kind of in like shock for a second. You're like, did I just do that? And then we're like, Oh man. So had a little laugh, you know, sucked, but we had a little laugh and like, all right, let's move yeah. on. Well, yeah, well, first we tried to figure out if we could patch it up somehow. Yeah. Right? <laughs> it's like, like, it's uh, always like, let's just spend have... the time and do this. Right. Yeah. So then we start doing it again, take it out. We recut it. We screw it in again and then we go to do the same ply and i literally like touch it 
just ever so lightly. And I think then, you just looked at it weird. Yeah, I, I looked at it, and just the very first touch after yes. we just redone it, boom. boom. <laughs> it was the it, this thing had the comedic timing of Richard Pryor in his prime. So it was just like perfectly timed like you know it would have been more sad if like we had like set it up and had worked on it for another 15 minutes and then it snapped that would be more sad but it was just immediate it was just like we just got ready to bend it again push yeah. pop and it was late enough you know late at night you get a little you're a, a little, little punch uh, slap happy yeah, yeah. and we just kind of look and we just both were just dying I was, I was like crying I, I had to take my glasses off and Wipe uh, tears from my eyes. I was laughing so, so hard. So maybe we did avoid swear words there by laughter. That's right. We replaced swear words with laughter. That's what happens when you get to be a, a great better, maker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, we actually so we took it off. We set it aside and we we went back today and did it. And we think we're good today. Yeah. I mean, yeah. unless we open the garage tomorrow and it's in pieces, <laughs> and it's exploded <laughs> then we're going to swear a little bit. But <laughs> we think we have it, and we have a lot of support under the curves at this time or at this point so it should be good right because yeah yeah, the way that it would pop it would pop into those pieces are yeah we should be good yeah just leave it at that and and so here's another thing you i also recommend to avoid swearing is you have clamps you can just hurl them heavily at walls yes you get done uh, assuming they're what what kind of clamps maker brand clamps yeah yeah. they won't break but your walls might things are all steel baby yeah (laughs) All right, that's enough shameless plugging from me. But we'll put a link in the description. Why the heck not, right? All right, let's let's go on to another question. All right, so this next one comes in from Mick underscore Nevlum. Probably saying that wrong. Says, hello, Melvin, student slash bat researcher slash wanting to get into woodworking. Any DIY projects I can do without power tools? Is it possible to make some of the pieces that you make with hand tools? Example. Hand saws, hammers, nails, wood glue, sandpaper. Perhaps that could be another challenge. Could be, but let's let's answer the question first. So, is it possible to make the things that we make without power tools? I mean, I would say definitely, right? Some yes, some no, right? Uh, I mean, there's probably going to be compromises to things, yeah. but I think mm-hmm. like in general. Okay, so here, not saying any specific projects. So just say things that are the types of things that we make. That's a definite yes. Yes. Right. Some of the specific projects like, oh, you're going to have to maybe compromise on this part of it. But yeah, I mean, I guess that's a little topic we could kind of go into. Actually, concrete work. Could you do could you do the type of concrete work that you do by hand? So simple forms, you definitely could. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking about it. So there's ways that you can do concrete mixes that they're a little more fluid. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't, I don't think we're going to all that, but as long as you design the mix to be a little bit more fluid so that you could mix it with a hand tool or a backhoe, or even like I, I've used just like a lead pipe or anything else mm-hmm. to just uh, to mix before you can mix up the concrete and pour it. No problem right. um, with some buckets and some sort of creative tool to mix with. Um, the form, so you're basically cutting down melamine. Um, it needs to be relatively straight, but there's some things you could do to shortcut it. Like they sell, instead of the big 4 by 8 sheets of melamine, they actually sell melamine shelves in a lot of different widths mm-hmm. for, for sort of closets. And they come maybe in 7 inches, 11 inches, okay. 15 inches. So there's actually a variety. 
you you could you wouldn't even have to cut those right. to width the long cuts you could do the horizontal cross cuts so you'd be making a slight compromise there in that like you'd still have a lot of options but you might not be able to get 15 and a half or something that's like real specific yeah yeah you kind of go with those sort of pre-cut uh widths and then you could use uh sort of foamular which is a high density foam which yeah. we just found out is not, not available legal in california and, yeah. well <laughs> it's available in small pieces apparently for some reason a little bit of cancer is not too bad for you, I guess. Yeah. I don't yeah. Know. And that you can cut. We, we cut it with like a, t- a table saw. We cut some with the X carve. Yeah. Uh, but you can also cut it with a turkey cutter like they use for Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. that costs about ah, 10 bucks. That's a power tool. Yeah, that is. It is a power tool. Um, you cut it with a handsaw. You can cut it with a, uh, a box cutter. Yep. You score it and snap it and you get a pretty straight line. Uh, and then you can paint it with shellac. Uh, and or cover it with some electrical tape. Just so it's get, not porous. Right, to get a waterproof seal. And you cut some of those to form whatever shape you want as a barrier to the sides of your form. And you can hot glue that to a melamine base. Then use some silicone to seal off the insides. And boom, you've got a concrete form you can pour some concrete into. And now you can make a concrete top, concrete counter, whatever sort right. of flat shape you want out of concrete with that so that this was actually kind of a fun mental exercise to walk through how would i do this without a power tool you know what i keep thinking is so obviously in the woodworking realm there are people that are like i don't know it's kind of like a purist thing or something where people want to be like hand tool only right that yeah, yeah. probably does not exist in concrete because you're just like f that it's just too hard to it's too much right, manual right. labor i'm not doing this yeah Give yeah the power well, tools. there is i know you're oh, there are primitive technology did okay, uh that's a you know he made his order sort of mud bricks right out of you know he made his own mud and water and yeah. everything like that's a it's not it's not concrete but it's a sort of a similar form of uh you know taking a sort of liquid jealous gelatinous sort uh-huh. of substrate and turning it into something but yeah, I don't know if there's like concrete purists. Probably not a form out there for people that are loving to do right. all hand-powered concrete <laughs> tools. Yeah, mixing yeah. it with your hands. Just get right in there yeah. and get the lotion lined up afterwards yeah, when you're your done with it. Re- I found that out. Con- working with concrete makes your hands dry, apparently. It does, yeah. Sucks some moisture out of them. All right. Oh, here's a good one. So, Mortgage and Miter, my buddy Chris from Canadian Chris. There's probably a lot of Canadian Chris's, but he's my Canadian Chris with a K. He lots says, of projects. Lots of, yeah, projects. Uh, so I, it's going to sound like a weird transition, but we asked for questions on Instagram and Mike was playing with some toys in the background. So he says, speaking of kids toys, what was your go-to toy as a kid? Or what toy do you still have the fondest memories of? Not including video games. Oh man, video games was going to be my go-to, <laughs> yeah, but not including video games. Do you have any that stick out to you from your youth? Oh man, I, I, I loved Transformers. I always did. And, yeah. and I wonder how much of that is because it's now become a, a thing again. Uh-huh. Uh, but I always, I had a, the Optimus Prime uh, truck and, you know, he had the whole sort of Autobot base in mm-hmm. his, uh, the trailer of his truck. Uh, that was one that I, that I loved. Did you ever get into Mask? Was that seen as like a ripoff to Transformers? Do you remember those? I remember GoBots. GoBots. Well, Autobots. Or was that a branch off? No, of? Autobots was there. They Autobots were transformed. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I remember Gobots. Yeah, Gobots does sound familiar to me too. But there was a cartoon called Mask where like they weren't robots, but it'd be like a car that could turn into a plane or like yeah, a jet ski uh-huh. that turned into a helicopter and that kind that. of stuff. I feel like that that one never got quite 
as much traction as some yeah, of the Yeah, maybe it though. didn't. It was probably oh, a branch oh, off. Oh, sorry, was that your was that your toy? That was what I was going to choose. Thanks Jeez, for sorry, man. crapping <laughs> all over my childhood. No, just joking. Uh, I did have a few of those toys, but let's see. The thing that sticks out to me most um, that isn't video games. Something that just popped into my head is, you all remember Etch-A-Sketch, right? But do you ever remember there was this thing called the Etch-A-Sketch Animator? No. So it was like a little digital Etch-A-Sketch that you could draw. I I don't remember how many frames, but it could save like eight frames or 16 frames. So you would like draw it in pixels. It was probably like 100 pixels in each direction. And you could draw a shape and then like save that as scene one and then draw it another scene and save that as scene two. And then it would play through like your 16 scenes. So you'd have a really crude short animation. Nobody remembers this but me. I don't. <laughs> but it sounds pretty awesome. Yeah, I got that for Christmas one year. That was a go-to toy. Ooh, I know another one that you saw at my house the other day. And you're like, yeah, hey, I had that when I was little. Snoopy Snow Cone Machine. The Snoopy Snow That was That was delicious. <laughs> Nothing but pure sugar water on top of ice. Gotta love it. <laughs> Gotta love it. Um, surprisingly, what I didn't have as a kid, which we can kind of transition into the project that we're working on for me while you're here, is... Lego. I never had Lego as a kid, but started liking them more as I grew older. They're a great toy. They'll be a staple that'll be around forever, I'm sure. My kid plays with Lego now, even though I didn't, but whatever, that point aside. So for my project, I decided to, you know, we talked a lot the past couple months about river tables on this podcast, and I was probably never going to do a river table But I thought, well, what if I did one to kind of not make fun of river tables, but to kind of like. It's a cool design idea. It's just been overplayed in the same way so many times that, you know. Yeah. It's not. It it is a real. There's a reason so many people like it. It's just. And it's like the project. So the project that I'm doing is essentially a river of Lego that's encased in concrete. So it, it might sound kind of dumb looking and hopefully it comes out still we're not sure yet but like if it comes out I think it actually could be a really cool looking project but if it weren't for all the conversations we had about river tables on this podcast I probably would not have thought about it because it did start for me as kind of like a parody of the whole river table thing like oh let's like take this to the extreme and like once I do this like now the river table's officially dead like it's we're just like beating a dead horse at this point or whatever um but yeah that's that's the project that I'm working on and I think Mike has more, uh, what's the right word, uh, faith that it's going to come out than me. I keep thinking like, <laughs> oh man, this is totally just like... No, it's going to work. It's going to work. He says, I, I'm standing by that it's not going to work and we're totally going to fail just because I don't want to jinx myself. But <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens, man. Uh, it's not going to be out for a couple months still, but... So this is something I interesting I learned about you is I think you you all you will always undersell it. like every project we've talked about because we've been shooting ideas back mm-hmm. and forth a lot you're always like I don't know if it'll work you'd be like Chris we're gonna make an ingrain cutting board and you'd be like doesn't it's impossible I don't know if that's gonna work <laughs> ingrain's too poor so it's not gonna work we'll try it but I'm not sure if it's gonna work <laughs> it's gonna totally fail no I, that, that is kind of the way that I am like actually this is something we talked about that like I tend to be kind of conservative in what I'm able to accomplish or like the way that I think about myself. And um, I think that's one of the things that I actually like about collaborating is that it gives me the faith to, or not the faith, but like the, the, 
the courage to like try something that's a little bit more ambitious that I'd be yeah, yeah. timid to try on my own and be like, ah, well, you know, what? even if it does fail, like it's a little bit more fun to fail with somebody else than to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you always, there, you learn yeah. something if you fail. I mean, yeah. we, by like when I say it'll work, like we just, I did my epoxy, uh, river resin pixelated yeah, plywood the, thing. And if it was something I was going to sell to someone or really wanted to have in my own house, it would have, probably been considered a failure and you because, had a lot of trouble in that video like yeah yeah and there's a lot of you know some imperfections in the end result as a result but as a design concept when you see the pictures of it, it it looks really cool like as a design concept you can tell what the furniture you can tell what the idea is and i i think it worked i i, I right i personally like it and you know it's acquired taste but um yeah so i think the definition of success and failure this yeah not, it's not quite black and black white and white. yeah that's yeah. a good point um yeah, it's not as clear cut. So like that project, it worked in the in the end. You it came out, but it wasn't without its. The proof of concept was enough that the average person could look at it and decide whether they liked it or not. Right. You know, but if someone examined it up close to buy it for their mm-hmm. own home, they probably would say, "Make me a new one." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not paying for this. Yeah. No, yeah. I mean, I think that's the nature of like almost everything that we. A lo- at least a lot of YouTubers do is that you're ex- people are watching us do things for the first time a lot. Like yeah. they're watching us experiment with things. Not every video, a lot of, a lot of my videos, it's just like, here's techniques that I've done a variety of different times. And now I'm just like using them to make this other project that looks different, but it's all things that I've done before. So those yeah. are the safe ones. But a lot of it is trying something new because you had some design idea or whatever. And it's like, you know, it does, it just doesn't make sense. You're not going to sit there and like make, spend a week making a model. That's not going to be for the video. You're just like, well, I'm going to make a video and I'm going to document my process of yeah. figuring yeah. it out. And I think you do that a lot in your videos because you're like, I do a lot of thinking out loud. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like you're always trying something new. Um, and it's funny. I don't know why, like I've kind of talked about this before, but so for this being my first concrete project that I'm doing, it's a fairly ambitious one. Like you'd think you'd start off simple, just like make a slab of concrete and make like some cool modern piece of furniture. Like that seems like the obvious thing to do, but there's something about doing something that's a little bit more ambitious that first off, if it does fail, like I'll have learned what I need to learn to do that simple project. And so what better time to try it than with when you have somebody here working with you that actually knows how to use this stuff? Yeah. And so we, we like, did a lot of planning. Like we, we went we through did. so many different ways of like how we're going to get the little, uh, the hardest thing was getting the, so do we spoil this part of it? Yeah, it's fine. Okay. So getting the, getting the, the nubs of the Legos to extend above the top of the concrete surface yeah, essentially, how do you do it so that when you pour it, you don't cover the whole thing in concrete? Yeah. We can probably leave it at that without like getting too much in the muck and mire of people having to visualize all kinds of stuff in their head. But yeah, I mean, to your point, we have really thought this thing through and that's not a guarantee it's going to come out. But like, hopefully we're giving ourselves I, yeah. our best shot at it. I, but, I think we've got a good chance. We, we don't want to over uh, over promise and under deliver, but I right. think we've got a good chance. Right. Well, we've already doomed it. Just by the, yeah, we totally, this I totally jinxed it. Yeah. Um, no, but what I was going to say is that uh, going for an ambitious project, I think, helps to keep me more like engaged and helps me to think about it more and ultimately helps me 
get more out of it quicker than I would have otherwise. Like I've talked about the bat, the trapezoidal cabinet, the bad Larry was the first cabinet that I ever designed and built on my own. And so you'd think like for your first one, build a square or a rectangle, you know, build something with 90 degree corners. Yeah, yeah. But it was just like, I don't know. I had this idea and this idea excited me. And so it forced me to figure out new techniques quicker because I was excited about it. Yeah. Yeah. And I wonder, I, maybe this is, I, I don't know. Tell me if this is something to you, but it, I just never want to do like a lot of those basic ideas. Like if we were going to just make a, just make a flat concrete countertop. And that was mm-hmm. the project that wouldn't even as my first project, I think my first GFRC project was actually a ramp integrated sink with a built-in teak inlay drain. Yeah. It was like a super ambitious thing because I just had to try to do something new. Mm-hmm. Right. I didn't want to do something I'd seen just right. replicate. Cause I'd seen those other people do it. So now in my mind, that's yeah. You know, it's understood. That's not exciting. I wanted to do something that, takes right. it a step further always. yeah and i don't think that's to say like this is advice of like everybody should do this yeah i think you know it's you got to do what uh, whatever like is going to motivate you to want to do the most and right, so right. for you that's what motivated you to do the most for some people it could be just like well i'm i want to learn the basics and that's fine i mean that might yeah. be a better way to go through it for all we know but yeah i mean that's kind of i i think that's why it's it's funny that these first two concrete projects that I'm kind of working on are this crazy Lego table and then a bent. Right. Or, right. I don't know. If you and we bent, did. But, yeah. So I guess we, we should probably qualify that we kind of did a like, practice. as we're doing that, we kind of did a little side project, a couple other little side projects in concrete. That yeah. Just to like, here's what you, it's like yeah. to mix it. Here's how you, just so that the first time you're pouring something, you kind of like, okay, here's like the time that I have to work and yeah. learning those. But, and it was kind of like, we have all this material sitting here. Let's just throw this form together and do something. And, you know, doing those basic things hopefully will actually help to elevate one of the other projects that I have coming in the pipeline. So it kind of just worked out that it, it was beneficial having that extra material. Yeah. Yeah. And shout out to uh, Fishtone uh, Concrete. GFRC, they send us a bunch of material to play with. Um, there, there's a lot of good brands out there, but they're definitely one I like using. So if you guys are in, interested in experimenting in GFRC, that's that's fun. Yeah, we'll throw a, a link shout down. out. Yeah, we'll throw a link down in the in the uh, description so people can check that out. I know, I'm sure if people have, I mean, you guys have probably seen it at this point on Mike, Mark, Mike's channel, <laughs> <laughs> Modern Builds, um, and if you're familiar with industrial maker you've definitely seen it before but it is a pretty unique look like it's it's this is my first time seeing it in real life and the shocking thing seeing it in real life when you see it like come out of the form is like that's concrete like that was my first thought it's just like so smooth and like almost like glass like or like marble like in the way that it the consistency of it yeah that and we made a bunch of blue variations yeah we did some uh playing with colors trying to mimic a marble thing trying to make something blue that kind of ended up coming out looking like denim yeah it totally looks like a stone washed it's got this like the white sand mixed with the blue is a really cool like like yeah. a stone washed denim look almost to it i would say it was on purpose but it wasn't so it was supposed to look like what was it whale oh yeah i called it a uh, whale barf yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> periwinkle so, whale barf oh that's right periwinkle <laughs> whale barf hashtag yeah, totally did not achieve that look, unfortunately. No, no. All right, here, we got another question. This is a quick one. It comes in from Ellen Clifford. She says, when is Modustrial Maker going to make his sister a lightsaber? 
My answer is that when the first lightsaber breaks 10,000 views because it, it flopped, that was my, my picnic table. Did you put it out on the May the 4th or whatever? No, oh, I didn't. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. You blew it. No, I didn't. Did you put it out when a movie was coming out? It was like a, a couple weeks after oh. The Last Jedi had come out. There you go. You missed the... I missed the, I missed the boat, yeah. A couple yeah. weeks earlier, you would have had 10 million views on that thing by now. Maybe. I did I did dress up in a Kylo Ren costume and dance on on in the video. So so maybe see. Let's see let's do an experiment. Can the podcast actually get that over ten thousand views? The modern maker bump. Yeah. Let's see if we can do it, people. <laughs> we'll put a link to that video. That it's people's introduction to you. Do you really want that to be their introduction to you? So actually you know what? no, I'm gonna cut you off. I just had an idea. You know Nikes? The shoes? Like basketball shoes, running yeah, shoes. Yeah, 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 yeah. What about Something like that, but instead of a swoosh on the side, three stripes. You mean like Adidas? That's a good name. I think we could. Yes. Can do you know? Can Adidas? Can that be trademarked? If it wasn't already taken. Maybe I'll stick to the uh, YouTube stuff instead of shoe companies, huh? <laughs> That's probably a good idea. <laughs> okay. So what are you obsessed with? Uh, so I've just started exploring uh, CNC and Fusion three hundred and sixty and Easel. Uh, and have really been getting into that. I just uh, did my first project on the X-Carve. I'm making a CNC IKEA hack dresser, mm-hmm. uh, which will probably come out on my channel in a month or so. And now you have a shaper also, right? Yeah. Or, I'm sorry. You have an origin. Origin. By shaper. By, by shaper the company tools. shaper. Uh, which is just there. It's a super different tool that I think we're, it's not even really a, it's, it's not, not a, a one CNC. or the other thing, right? Would you no. say it's a one, it's a, they're, Completely different. Like and I think you made the both. analogy of a table saw and a circular saw, and it's the difference between when you can bring the workpiece to the tool or bring the tool to the workpiece. Right. Um, and I think that's a perfect. That's one very big distinction, and there are others. Um, but I, the, what I'm obsessing about is just the ability to rapidly prototype and iterate through lots of designs, um, and to do you know not just woodworking. Um, I actually just did uh, filmed with the Shaper uh, Origin a video that's going to be on their channel using it to make an acrylic uh, shape that would be a concrete uh, concrete mold mm-hmm. and some really cool shapes uh, using the Shaper Origin to create the mold. And I've just kind of been really excited about the possibilities for concrete woodworking, even LED lighting um, with the X Carve and Shaper Origin sort of combining to do a lot of different things. So, yeah. um, you know, I think you could probably look for me doing more of that in the future because I just it's it's nice. really exciting. You're like the next Frank Howarth. CNC and st- oh, now you got to start turning bowls. That's that those are some big big shoes right there. <laughs> big shoes. Oh, he's got he's got a whole metalworking shop going now, right? Like I can't wait to see. He's like, yeah, oh, "Here's my man. little shop. It's only, you know, 30 feet by 20 feet and yeah. <laughs> Uh, you know, actually I was thinking while you were saying that Do you think, and maybe we've brought this up before. I don't know. You tell me. You probably listen to the podcast. I never listen. Uh, (laughs) uh, Do you think that in a way digital fabrication could be extra appealing to people who work full-time jobs? Because you can do a lot of the work not in the shop. Yes. You can be like. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think you, you do this and I've started doing this too. A little bit, uh, but you, I know you definitely did this like with SketchUp. Oh yeah. Is like, it actually enables you to like start the shop work wherever you are. Right. Um, yeah. I always say like, I 
build, I kind of virtually build through a project in SketchUp before I build it. Yeah, yeah. And with the, and with this, you could actually, like, we were talking, we didn't actually end up doing this, but we were talking about, like, I could actually, to sort of jumpstart our collab, I right. could send you a file and easel and you could sort of start carving things before I even got here. So, yeah, right. not even, not only that, but, like, the idea for remote collaboration mm-hmm. uh, and sharing projects remotely. Um, you know, you could see something like, why do you need to flat pack it when you can just email someone a file to cut it out somewhere? Right. You know, and cut yeah, it out locally. Point. Um yeah, world's just, changing, man. Yeah, yeah. My obsession. So this, uh, I guess, actually, I have two of them. So the first one is something that I just bought like an hour ago that hopefully <laughs> will be showing up tomorrow, and that is a solid state external hard drive. You you had one. You showed me how much faster it is than the ones that I've been using. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where like, do you actually edit mine off too. of it? Yeah, you can actually you can edit off of it pretty darn well. Uh, I mean, over USB C, mm-hmm. uh, it gets like five hundred megabits a second, so you can definitely edit pretty well off of it. Which means you can edit on your work computer, put it right. on your laptop, and that's, that's that's pretty nice. I think this is gonna be a game changer for me. So, got one of those coming. So, game changer! Like now, you're gonna release weekly videos, right? That's right. It's so much easier. Daily, I'm doing yeah. daily, 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 <laughs> daily projects. <laughs> Thanks to this. Thank you, Samsung. Another one, which I feel like every time I do a collaboration with somebody, there's some like obvious tool that I should have had that <laughs> then they say like, why don't you have one of these? And I get one. I'm like, oh man, I should have had this long time ago. So when Johnny Brooke was here, I'll credit him for really turning me on to the impact driver. He, he showed yeah, me yeah. that that is actually That blew my mind that you than... didn't have one when I heard that. Yeah. <laughs> so now doing all this concrete work, which a tool that we've used a lot over this week that I could use a lot in my woodworking hot glue gun. I should have had a hot glue gun. So handy. <laughs> it's like, it's like an extra set of hands kind of. Yeah, It's just really expensive. It's kind of hard to, you have trouble pulling the trigger on something that yeah, expensive it was like 12 bucks. You know? And, yeah, yeah. You know, I don't want to, I don't know how dedicated I am to this whole maker thing yet. I don't want to drop 12 <laughs> bucks on a hot glue gun. I mean, I guess worst case scenario, I could still use it for other crafts, but yeah. Yeah. I took yeah. the plunge. Popsicle stick tables. So. Yeah. So building missions. Well, do, yeah. I don't know, do people do that and not in California? Build a I, mission? Uh, maybe for small ground squirrels. Okay. I have Gary's. Yeah. Build a Gary's. Gary hut. Yeah. Cool. All right. Uh, yeah. So I guess that's it. Thanks again for listening. Mike said he wasn't going to tell you to go give us uh, five-star reviews last week, but I think that has expired now. We're allowed to officially start asking for reviews again. So go check us out on iTunes. Give us a five-star review. Those are the only kind that exist. Uh, Make sure you're following us on Instagram. And again, we still, at the time of this recording, we still have a few more spaces left for the 100th episode that we're going to be doing live totally ripping off the making it podcast guys they're so good why wouldn't you you know if it ain't broke don't fix it you got to do that 100th episode live so yeah if you're interested in going that there'll be links to everything down in the description thanks for listening and i guess we'll uh, see you again next week for a normal episode probably